welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Film Club Podcast, where every week, me and Miss Boo find some movies to talk about how they hit us, how they hit the audiences, how they hit the world, and today, we're talking about Batman Begins. Which has a lot of hitting in it. A lot of, lot of punching, a lot of, lot of cool stuff in there, you know, you'd, you'd be surprised. Yeah, lots of hits, lots of kicks, and we're, you know, continuing with our Batman Tribute Month. Yes, we are. So it only makes sense, you know, after talking about the Batman, we talk about Batman, Batman Begins, Begins with Christian Bale. Yes, the first of the Nolan trilogy. But before we get into that, we have something special this week. We do. We have to give a little bit of a shout out to our friends over at... The Film History, the History of Film podcast. We're one of our favorites, and they sent us over a trailer, and we'd like you guys to hear it. Please enjoy. Welcome to Film History, the history of film. I'm James. And I'm Drake. And I'm Devin. And we're the host of Film History, the history of film. Each week, we take a deep dive into some old Hollywood history that you've probably never heard about. But it's not like your high school film class. We're cracking jokes, goofing off the entire time. It's history told our way for all audiences. From the ill-informed to the savants of cinema. Yeah, we tell you about James Cagney almost getting his head blown off because, well, you know, back in the 30s, you were allowed to just shoot machine guns at your leading man. And wait until you hear the episode about Waterworld. Or how the world's first vampire movie was made by real occultists and some Nazis. And there's plenty more little-known Hollywood lore out there, legends and facts. So if you join us every Wednesday, wherever you listen to podcasts, I promise it'll be a good time. Yeah, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. Just look for Film History. The History of Film! And we're back. And we're back. We hope you guys enjoyed the trailer. Please give them a follow. Please listen to their podcast. Very entertaining. Very funny. Oh, yeah. Uh, but at the time of this recording, they should be talking about All Quiet on the Western Front. And part one was really entertaining. Part two, I'm looking forward to it. Same here. Uh, but let's get on with it. So we're talking about Batman Begins 2005, directed by Christopher Nolan, written by Nolan and David S. Goyer. And... The, okay, I gotta I gotta open with this. All right. Do you remember this movie being good? I think the last time I saw it was maybe two thousand five, two thousand six. I've only seen it like once or twice. Same, right? Leaning more towards the once, but I know I didn't really enjoy it when it came out. I don't know if it was my age, <laughs> but you know, after seeing it this time around, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's a lot better than I remember it being. Yeah. I think that's way more to do with this movie being so overshadowed by The Dark Knight. I mean, The the Dark Knight is a masterpiece, chef's kiss, but this it's movie's great. really good. Yeah, like, I, I think it's kind of a meme. Bale Batman's kind of a meme at this point. You know, the gritty, gravelly voice. And Rachel! He, Rachel, and, his, and no matter what movie he's in, I'm going to say it right now, the Batsuit always makes his face look bad. He, I, it's a thing where his jaw set it's the like, cutout, yeah. His jaw set a little too wide, so he always looks like a fat guy in a tiny bat suit, right? That and maybe it's just the cut of the cowl because not too much space for his chin. I mean, I've never even really paid attention to Christian Bale's chin, so I don't know if he has a big chin versus like seeing Robert Pattinson's chin in the cowl, which is just like well, a, well, Robert Pattinson has a much longer face again. Chef's Kiss, Masterpiece, we get, Chin. We get it. Yes, yes. You love Robert Pattinson. I do. You're really into tall white guys. Um, lucky for you. I know, right? But, yeah, so I I remember this movie being, like, really mediocre and watching it this time. This is, like, really good. This might be, like, like top-tier Batman films. It's good, but, I mean, I still hold The Dark Knight over this one. Yeah, I think that's reasonable, but I think it's a lot closer than... I than I used to give it yeah, credit for. Yeah, same. You know, I, I have a lot Dark more Knight, love for it now. I think The Dark Knight Rises was the only actual bad film of the franchise. Yeah, but I still loved it too. You, look, we get it. Anything with Batman on, you love, but you have to admit that movie's not good. But it had Tom Hardy. And it's really bad. But Tom Hardy, though. He doesn't make everything better. 
just more watchable. I love you, Tom Hardy. We know, we know. But yeah, so um, Batman Begins, I guess going into, I guess the elevator pitch for this, because mm-hmm. it's just telling the origin stories of Bruce Wayne from the death of his parents to his journey to become Batman and his fight to stop Ra's al Ghul and the Scarecrow as they plan to create chaos in Gotham for a reason that I still don't understand, even though I just watched the movie. Because it's a Batman timeline. I guess. It's something about Gotham's, like, the worst city in America, or in the world, or it's the most corrupt, and I'm, like, Washington's down the road. All the bad guys are like, you know what? Let's stir up some shit. Why? Just cause. Just cause. Just cause. This movie's a little weird, right? Yeah. And very different look-wise compared to um, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises. Even the Batman. Actually, this is a lot closer to, like, the Batman than even the other films in its own series. Yeah, I mean, it looks more a little bit on the cartoonish side a little bit. More grit, just more rawness. And then once we get into the next two movies, they're more realistic. You feel like you're in real time. It it feels a lot more like you're just in normal Chicago where they were filming these. And in Batman Begins, it's, okay, we're in kind of an elevated city. Everything's... It's always raining. Everything's really dirty. It It's definitely more of an elevated world we're in. A lot closer to the Batman. Yeah. I mean, speaking of rain, that sequence... I mean, I'm going to jump to the end. The yeah, sequence where yeah. we have, you know, just the the fog of... Did they even say what it was? It was I mean, it's supposed to be the, the scarecrow's, like, um, like scare gas or whatever it scare is. Scare gas, poison gas, whatever it is. They achieved that effect by using steam, and they were just pumping, you know, loads of steam. And after they cut for a scene, it would just start to rain from all the steam that would accumulate. Oh, really? And I was just like, that's pretty fucking cool. It's a Batman <laughs> movie. It should be raining. Sure, I guess. But I just thought that was something cool that happened naturally from all the steam that you know was arising through the city but yeah i mean it's a batman movie of course it's gonna be raining non-stop except for when there's the house fire then there's absolutely no rain i don't know if that's a prerequisite for it to rain in every batman movie I, but i, I feel like it has to lore. Is, it... is it lore that batman brings the rain is he the rainmaker? thor brings the thunder batman brings the rain i i fucking guess i fucking guess <laughs> But, um, I I guess where do you want to start on this one? Because this movie has a really weird way of being created. Yeah, I think we should probably start with the characters, because... Like the cast and all that stuff? Yeah. Because Because characters, let's be honest here, it's a fucking Batman movie. You know every character. You're gonna get your Alfred, you're gonna get your Batman, you're You're... gonna get Commissioner Gordon. Well, except... Gordon, because nothing's happened with Commissioner yet. Yeah, yeah, he's on his way. He's he's uh, uh, Sergeant Gordon. Captain he, Gordon. He's Sergeant Captain. Gordon. And it's like, you know, every Commissioner, it's like, hold on to your ass, because you're gonna get rocked in, like, the next five minutes, and then Commissioner Gordon's gonna come up to bat. Sure. <laughs> but we have Scarecrow, Ra's al Ghul, um, Falcone. Yeah, yeah. Um, Liam Neeson plays Ra's al Ghul, and... It's weird to have Ra's al Ghul be your main, quote-unquote, main villain yeah. for the movie. Because I feel like nobody before this knew who the fuck Ra's al Ghul was, unless you were a hardcore comic nerd. Yeah. Like, Scarecrow was kind of the same thing, but he had, like, the animated series mm-hmm. to write off of. And he was great in the animated series. Yeah, yeah. And even, like, Ra's al Ghul was in the animated series, mm-hmm. but, like, at least Scarecrow was, like, a goofy supervillain you can kind of recognize. And then, like, Falcon, like... I'll be real with you. Unless you were a, a hardcore Batman fan, you have no idea who the fuck Falcone was. Yeah. You know, and it's weird because you have three supervillains in the first movie of your franchise, and none of them feel like they have enough screen time? Really? No. I mean, it would be it would have been interesting to see Scarecrow be kind of like the animated series Scarecrow, where it's a full costume and not just a mask. Yeah, but then you're really leaning into it being a more of a, a cartoony kind of film it, it wouldn't work anymore but i mean they could have made him like a scary uh, scarecrow well that was what the fear gas thing was supposed to do to them but yeah if you had killian murphy dressed in a in a scarecrow looking like the scarecrow from wizard of oz going around going this movie's not working <laughs> it's not fucking happening especially if he goes i mean i didn't happening. say wizard of oz but i mean there's been you know scary interpretations of scarecrow you know 
do something kind of like on the Jeepers Creepers level where it's just like, <laughs> oh shit, not, he's scary. It's not gonna happen. I, it, it, I think the problem with that is the movie's trying to be a quote unquote realistic interpretation yeah. of an inherently fantastical idea, which is superheroes. Mm-hmm. And you can say, people can say all they want about, well, Batman's really realistic. Like, all you need is, his superpower is money. If you have enough money, you can be Batman. And yeah, I guess, but if you're this kind of billionaire, you're not making a Batsuit. You're going into space. I guess that's the new trendy thing. That is, yeah. But the movie, the the rogues gallery of Batman is the coolest part about his lore. And having Scarecrow be Scarecrow from the comics in this, this would have been a totally different movie. It would have been closer to a Schumacher movie, which... Yeah, you know, I guess. Like I Batman and that. Robin, Batman Forever, mm-hmm. which... They wanted this to be a sequel to those movies. They yeah. just wanted this to continue on the original, like, Batman timeline movie franchise, mm-hmm. which uh, was not gonna fucking happen. No. Right? I don't think anybody from the original Batman production team wanted to come back to the franchise no and i mean i love what we got with this mm-hmm. with the trilogy because it's it, it is a trilogy you look a, at it one piece yeah it's a great series of films but in this one i feel like i slept on this one for too long because <laughs> you 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 saw this once you were like that's kind of okay saw the dark knight this is awesome mm-hmm. and never needed to go back exactly yeah, Dark Knight stands on its own, and I'm sorry, everybody, we're talking about Dark Knight, not Batman Begins, but, like, that's the problem. This is in the shadow of the, Dark, anoth- Knight. Of the Dark Knight. Yeah. It's hard to take the movie on its own terms, at least for me, because, okay, this is a pre-MCU superhero film, and, but this is also a post-Spider-Man world yeah. we're in, and this is trying to go in a totally different direction. It's trying to be more of, like, a drama mm-hmm. and a little bit more of an action movie. And this it exists in a weird world where it's not just a superhero film, right? Yeah. You catch my drift? Yeah, because, I mean, there's more elements to it. Mm-hmm. There's drama, there's action, there's suspense. It's not the, you know, the cookie cutter uh, superhero movies that we have now. Yeah, where and, they're a lot more jokey, they're a lot more light, they're a lot more jovial. Yeah, which, I mean, once you said it right now, I didn't even think about, yeah, this was before Iron Man and the rest of the MCU, mm-hmm. and right after Spider-Man, and Spider-Man, you know, it has its comedic bits, but it's also on the serious side, too. Well, well I mean, Sp- Spider-Man's weird, because that's directed by Sam Raimi, the master. Who is the master. your lord and savior. A praise be. But it's it's a whole thing, because you gotta understand the world this comes out in, alright? Because... Yeah. I actually got something for you. Okay. Oh wow. Okay. Yes, cause I did. I did notes. Whoa. Yes. So the development of this. So in nine, in uh, January two thousand three, Warner Brothers hired Christopher Nolan to direct an untitled Batman film. Mm-hmm. So they had. They were like, we're gonna need make another Batman movie because Spider Man made a shit ton of money. So we gotta make a shit ton of money. And we gotta make a shit ton of money. They bring on David S. Goyer, who is probably famous for writing the Blade films. Okay. At this point, which you love. Yeah, I think the first two Blade movies are really good. I, I'm not sure if he wrote all of them, but I know he wrote the first one. Mm-hmm. And Nolan was really um, unsure of the movie mm-hmm. because he's like, all right, we'll do an origin story because you've never seen a Batman origin story. Yeah. And now every superhero film is an origin story. Of course. Well, so- I mean, you got to start at the beginning. It'd be weird to just start off mid-career. You got to see how it began, how he becomes the person that he is. Mm, like the Batman. Like the Batman, yes. Yeah. Considering well, we're doing all the first Batman movies, exactly. we're going to be getting all origin stories. Exactly. But I think the the thing I'm getting at here is when this movie is coming out, they're still thinking they're going to continue on just making like the Michael Keaton, Joel Schumacher, mm-hmm. uh, Val Kilmer, George Clooney Batman movies. Batman and Robins. Batman and Robins. They're, I think they were pretty sure, okay... We're just going to make a cash grab Batman film. Yeah. And then Christopher Nolan got on and made this. Mm-hmm. And then it became this, like, actually really good critical franchise. Yeah, I mean, uh, even Christopher Nolan, he got, like, the cast and crew together before they shot this, made them watch Blade Runner, and he was like, okay, I want this movie to be like Blade Runner. And it was just like, 
okay. It's like... We we can run with that. I mean, you yeah. can see a Blade Runner influence on the production design yeah. for, for Gotham City. Like, that's pretty pretty easy to pull out. Mm-hmm. Also, Rucker Howard's in this movie. Which, Rucker Howard's in this fucking movie. Yeah, he is. F- I, I forgot he was in this movie. Me too. But, yeah, I, I thought, you know, okay, if you're going to pick a movie to kind of base the idea of how you want this movie to look and feel, great movie to run with. Yeah, yeah, I, that movie's a, like a masterpiece, and it's a great film just to watch for the production design. Because mm-hmm. it tells you so much. Yeah. About the world. Yeah, I mean, you're just kind of lost in that world. Mm-hmm. You you leave your theater experience and you're a part of that world. And this movie, it kind of feels the same. You're kind of submerged into Gotham and what is happening on the streets of Gotham. Yeah, well, what you're really submerged into is, is I, guess, I guess, our main character. Yeah. Ba- uh, Batman. Bruce Wayne. Chris, uh, Bat Wayne. Cri- Bat Wayne. <laughs> Bruce Man. Uh, fuck. Uh, uh, Christian Bale. Which... I swear I'm not Batman. I swear I'm not Batman. And Christian Bale, do you like Christian Bale as an actor? I do. Yeah. I, yeah. I think he's a really good actor, but I, I just, I'm going to tell you the three movies he did leading up to this. Mm-hmm. All right. And I want you to say you would have cast him as Batman off these three roles. Mm-hmm. Reign of Fire in 2002, Equilibrium in 2002, and The Machinist in 04. Haven't seen him. Haven't, have you never seen them? Haven't seen him. What? Okay, Equilibrium is crazy because it's a movie. It, it's a, No one should watch this movie because it's really fucking bad. But I kind of want people to watch this movie because it's really fucking awesome. And you so, want people sharing this, you know, in, in this what experience. the fuck is so, this? So Equilibrium, it starts Christian Bale and he's like a, a police officer. Okay. And in, the, and in the future. So in the future, emotions are made illegal. So they all take these emotion suppressing <laughs> oh, no. uh, drugs. So him and his partner, uh, his partner Sean Bean, are are going out and they are um, policing emotions, right? And because they don't have emotions, they have mastered this technique called gunkata, which is kung fu but with guns. Oh, so they're like, shoot. so they throw karate shots and they do martial arts stuff with like pistol dueling pistols, and they do the fight scenes are fucking ridiculous. Okay, and the movie's kind of bad, but Dean, I'm gonna stop you there. I'm gonna go home and watch this because I Thank mean. You. If there's a film where, you know, you can't be in your feelings, or else you'll get arrested, I gotta watch this. Of course, of course. But that's in 2002. In three years, he's Batman. Do you think that's that's happening? That's weird, right? No, I mean, I've seen a behind-the-scenes making of, like, the trilogy, Mm -hmm. and I forget who it is in the casting. Um, It might be the lady that did the casting of this movie. Mm -hmm. She actually said, hey, you know what, Christian Bale, he is a great actor, and... I think they talked to him before and they're like, you know, hey, you know, we're thinking about doing a Batman movie. Like, I'm down. Yeah. So it was just a thing where they mentioned it to him and like years later it was brought up again and they're like, well, hey, Christian Bale is actually a really good actor. I, I, I know. I know this because when he was um, he read a comic book called um, Arkham Asylum on uh, Infinite Worlds or so- something like mm-hmm. that. It's by Grant Morrison. It's a really good Batman story if you get a chance to read it. And he read that, and he was like, wait, comic books can be deep, yo? Oh, shit. Who would have thought? thought? And he made a blanket statement to his agent, like, if a Batman movie comes up, sign me up for an audition, because I yeah. really want to do it. And I, it's weird, because I also saw the other people who auditioned for it, mm-hmm. and I know you have a few of them where would have made this a totally different movie. Yeah. Well, would you like to name a few? I'm going to go with my number one, mm-hmm. Heath Ledger. And that was just like, what? Whoa, the wow. Joker auditioned to be Batman? And it was just like... That would have been him, like, what? Right after 10 Things I Hate About You or um, Knight's Tale? He was, somewhere in there, yeah. He, he would still be He would still be in that, like, teen heartthrob phase. Or, like, 30-year-old playing a teen heartthrob phase, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, I can't even think what year it was, but I was in Hollywood at a diner. And Heath Ledger was on the other side of the restaurant reading a script. And I'd seen him in The Patriot and other things. And I was just so, oh, my God, you know, that's Heath Ledger. And I've always wondered, I'm like, was that, you know, him reading his script for The Dark Knight or possibly for Batman Begins? Because this was so early on. Maybe. But I can't see him as Batman. I mean, the other one I know about is Jake Gyllenhaal, which... He would have looked so young 
for this, right? Because yeah. I think Don. What, when did we say Donnie Darko was? Because we talked about that movie. Oh, that, that was, was that was in the early two thousands, right? I think so, or the late nineties. I no, no, it might have been the late nineties. I think he would have looked. It's like somewhere in that pocket of time, but yeah, where, he, where the culture just blends together because the late nineties and early two thousands were the same thing. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, the late 80s and the early 90s kind of, you know, transitioning into, like... We still have a lot of neon up until we hit Nirvana and then it's plaid for, like, six months. Well, I mean, that's why we had the the badass Taco Bell with, you know, the neon colors and... Oh, God. We all know just the way that the inside Taco Bell looked. It just... It hit. It, it, it looked like the the restaurant in Saved by the Bell they used to hang out at. The Max. The, oh my god, I can't believe you remember that. I watched Saved by the Bell. Of course I'm going to remember I, the Max. I, I did too, but I don't remember dick all about <laughs> it. Except that movie, that show looked so 80s and then I found out, no, 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 it looked really early 90s. That was yeah. the, that was the, cane, the thing. But, but yeah, so it, it's so weird to look at this movie because it's like, um, Gary Oldman was like the last person cast. He read the script on his way to first day of production, and it was also one of his first times being a good guy. Yeah, because he, he made famous being villains. Same with Liam Neeson, who has always been a good guy, and this time he's the bad guy. Yeah. Also, Liam Neeson. I gotta. I, I gotta love think him too. About him. Oh no, he's great. Like I think Liam Neeson's a great actor, but he has a weird career because yeah. his first like big American film is Dark Man. Oh, you love that movie. Okay, that movie fucks, by the way. Also, it, 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 is if, a, it is a monster movie, an action movie, a, a horror movie, a comedy. Also, is, deep cut for the, you know, Dearly Departed double feature podcast. Yes, right. That I was try, one I, of your, like, what, second or third episode? Something like that. I tried to defend Darkman against Blade so hard. I, <laughs> It's so good. I love that movie. Yeah, I remember when you were pitching that, and I'm like what movie and i had to look it up and i'm like i have never heard of this no one has and it has like two sequels the sequels are bad <laughs> but th- that movie is great it's directed by sam raimi another <laughs> sam raimi tie-in but he's in like dark man yeah in like 92 and then he's in schindler's list in like 96 another a great film another great movie and then he does like rob roy in like kingdom of heaven and like you know movies where they needed a good looking like distinguished looking english guy the haunting the ha- oh god okay the haunting's not a good movie and i refused to for you to try and to convince me otherwise it's not great but i love it it's one of those movies i grew up with scared the crap out of it, me when i was a those, kid this movie is so bad but i can't hate it because it scared you when you were little i still have the vhs oh sweet jesus ah why do you hold on to bad memories so I'm not getting rid of my VHS collection. As much as you try to make me, I they're, refuse. They're, they're going to come back. They're going to come back around. But I mean, you're holding out for laser discs. Who are you talking? Look, look, I, I'm a distinguished kind of hipster. Laser disc is the best way to watch cinema. Ugh. But, like, he's in these movies, and then he does Batman Begins, right? And it's like, oh, man, Lee Neeson now becomes, like, the, like a, a mainstream A-list Hollywood actor. And then he does, like, the Taken movies, and now he's in, like, the Bruce he's Willis. He's a meme. He's a meme, right? Yeah. He he just starts doing, like, almost these direct-to-video action movies, like Bruce Willis started doing. Which are entertaining. Yeah, I'm, they're not good, but they are, I guess they're good enough to kill 90 minutes. Yeah, I mean, there's times where I'm like, you know what, I want to watch a Liam Neeson movie. And it's like, I don't have one in particular, but I'm going to yeah. put on... <laughs> you, you put on, um, um, Fight Man 3. Neeson returns like that kind of bullshit yeah i mean he's done some interesting movies where you know um i just i can't think of the title but his wife goes missing he loses his memory and it's like this whole conspiracy thing i'm like that was oh, a really I, good movie yes but i just wanted to point out because liam neeson starts off as like like a guy who shows up in prestige dramas to add like gravitas and then he turned into an action star once he started like his hair started going to go gray and then boom he's an action hero and this is like the inner mean meaning time where he's transitioning from drama actor to like supporting actor that's like the heavy yeah and right to action be- hero and right before he goes into action hero like it's it's just such a weird arc here because him as Raz Al Ghul it's like they took all the cool fantasy shit out of his character yeah but, so he's not really playing Raz Al Ghul but he is he is. 
because like Ra's al Ghul is an immortal if you don't know who jumps into the Lazarus pit and he's in in, in charge of the League of Assassins and I don't know if weird. they you know to keep with the realism of this timeline in the film that yeah. they wanted to make him more grounded more grounded but also more human yeah. versus you know being this kind of immortal being where it's like yeah you could kill me but I'm coming back you know I'll see you later yeah and which we kind of get in this movie where it's like. Haha, you saved me, but here I am to kill you in your own home. Aha! Brahaha! Karma. Karma. But I, that's just something I wanted to point out because the movie the movie wants to be more realistic. Yeah. And it cast two, or brought in two of the most fantastical kind of characters mm-hmm. into this world. And I'm wondering if that was just intentional to show them, hey guys, even like the weird shit, it's all going to be like ultra realistic. I think so. You think you think that was probably the plan? Yeah, because I mean, we had like the cartoony villains leading up to this, and now it's more like, okay, let me show you a more humanized villain versus something that just le- leapt out of the comic book. They wanted that hard left turn. Yeah, I guess. I guess that makes that actually makes a lot of sense because. Do you think this movie, this movie wanted to try its best to separate from like? all the Batman that came before it, like the Burton Batmans, the West Batmans. I think so. I think that's kind of what uh, Christopher Nolan was doing when he wrote this and kind of went into, I'm going to keep it very real Mm -hmm. and kind of, you know, stray away from the past so people can't say, oh, you know, there's Easter eggs from 89 or Schumacher. It's like, no, this is my own thing. This is the the real world spin on who Batman is. If, I mean, I, I guess I can't say if they made another Batman, because they did just make another Batman they did. movie. But Which was it, awesome. We get it. But if it... You know the whole the trend now where they have sequel reboots? Yeah. Right? If this was in that trend, this movie would be so bad. Yeah. Oh my god. But Which is why it's kind of nice <laughs> to have more human, you know, elements to our bad guys. But then, like Scarecrow... We don't really have him for that long. That's, and he gets bested twice. It's That's a gripe of the movie where... Because we have three villains. Yeah. We have Falcone, we have Ra's al Ghul, we have Scarecrow. None of them are on screen long enough for us to get behind as an intimidating presence. Mm-hmm. Because Ra's al Ghul, he's in the beginning of the film for a bit. And then he's... He's training of, He's He's Bruce. training Batman. And then he disappears for an hour of the movie. Yeah. We have Scarecrow who shows up for the second half of the movie, really, and he has like three scenes, four scenes of being a mm-hmm. bad guy, and then he's out of the movie. And Falcone, he's intimidating in the first half of the movie, and then somewhere in the middle he's completely written out of the script. Yeah. It's it's this weird jumble jumble because the movie's only, what, two and a half hours long? I believe so. And it's trying to fit like three hours four hours of plot into this and it's just it is jamming through at full speed yeah it's you know like four speeding trains headed at each other and it's just like okay you know i'm it's not it's not confusing i understand what's going on plot wise but it's just like okay this is to recount this beat by beat is shit well that and it's also it's a superhero movie where it feels like we're not dealing with villains as much as we should be Mm mm-hmm it's kind of like, okay, we're seeing Batman become Batman, that's cool, but it's like, we also need to see him fight some villains, because that's why Batman's here, to kind of clean up the streets of Gotham. It can't just be, oh, petty crime, boom, boom, okay, I fixed it. And it's just like, no, yeah. it's gotta be, you know, these huge catastrophes that he's dealing with, and we get that at the end of the movie, but the villains kind of get uh, knocked out before... Most of, you know, the damage is done. Yeah, the villains feel really, like, superfluous to the actual plot of the movie, which is Bruce Wayne coming to terms with his own fear and his own insecurities Mm -hmm. in trying to become... trying to become the change he wants to see in the world. Yeah. And... I think think that's the thing. Christian Bale is a much better Bruce Wayne than, than he is a Batman. Yeah. Cause I'm never I'm never convinced when he's in the costume that he is this um dark knight, this vigilante, you know, this 
this the creature in the night. World's greatest detective. World's greatest detective, yeah. What is it? He uh, he beats up or he tortures people for, for information. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, people have their way of doing things. Some, they follow clues, like the Batman, and then there's um, Batman Begins, where it's just like, I will solve this crime with my fists. With my fists. And <laughs> it's, it's just a different interpretation. I mean, I get it, but... Man, Christian Bale is such a good Bruce Wayne because oh yeah, I love he, his Bruce Wayne. When he has a chance to actually like emote and be be an actor instead of having to wear a full suit that he obviously hates fucking wearing. Yeah, because this was like early Batman, so it was like I can't move my neck, I can't really do too much in this. Because they, were, I think they were still like going off the molds and shit mm-hmm. from like the Burton Batmans, and they were like, well, the cow, the cow's so iconic, it's it's perfect. We'll just mold it to his face and do a re- restructure. But they didn't change the fact that, oh, he can't turn his fucking head. Yeah, it's like you've basically turned him into a penguin, where it's just like, I can't look to the sides of me. I gotta just look forward and hope I don't trip or fall or anything. Yeah, I, you know, what? okay, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna detour real quick. Okay, we're taking a detour because I hate his costume. In the first movie, yeah, I kind of hate. All the Batman costumes in the Nolan version. This is my one gripe. I think every Batman costume in the Nolan films all look awful. None of them look... None of them look practical. And I know they're supposed to be like, oh, they're like tech tech gear. They're, they're, they're all uh, military grade, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but they none of them... When we see him in light, he looks so goofy and it looks like it's so impractical for him to move. When he's in the fight scenes, you can tell he... Christian Bale is is having difficulty moving his arms up and down. Yeah. You know, and it's it's really weird, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't hate the costumes. I think they get better as the movies go on, but practicality-wise, yeah. They don't. They don't look easy to move in. No, they, they look very difficult to move, fight, articulate in. Um, I mean, I know they make a point in this film where he has all this equipment from Wayne Corp that he's kind of like, okay, let me cut this and, you know, I'll use the belt, I'll do this, I'll do that. So it's kind of cool to see him piecing his costume together. Mm. But practicality wise, it's like, if you're going to be fighting and flying and jumping off of buildings, you got to be able to move. Yeah. And it's like, I think, you know, maybe they went really heavy on like a rubber suit in the first movie where it's just kind of like... Your motility, you're only going to be able to move so far, which doesn't work when you're fist fighting and grappling with people. Which makes a lot of the action scenes he's in feel kind of clunky. Yeah. Like, they're not horrible. They're not, they're not, um, late stage Steven Seagal movies. Oh, where, yeah. where they're shot in a way to hide the fact that he's overweight. Yeah. They're, it's more like a thing where they are hiding the fact that he can't really move all that well. Like, they do in RoboCop. Where, like, you know, Peter Weller could not sit down or, like, close his hand Mm -hmm. in the RoboCop costume. Yeah. So, the movie is shot in a way to hide the fact that he has no idea where the fuck he's going. Mm -hmm. And in this, I feel like that's kind of the same thing in a lot of the action sequences, where we don't really see a lot of him, and he, he... When we cut to him... Where he's like perched on a ca- on anything, yeah. he's already sitting there, yeah. And you can tell, okay, it probably took some people like helping him get up there, and he's mm-hmm. crouched there, and he is trying his best not to shift his weight at all because he will topple over. Yeah. And also, I think that's the worst decision when we see him under fluorescent lights. Yeah, it's like they could have done better to kind of uh, what's the word am I thinking? Um... The what redesign, clean up. Like, kind of, I can't think of the word, oh my god. And I'm, accentuate? Accentuate, there you go. Uh, his physical features in his face. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, you know, okay, go off of the jawline, or, you know, kind of, once we get, like, later into the movies, where it's kind of more of, like, a skull kind of looking shape to the cowl. It, it's a little bit more fitted. Yeah, you know, it's like... exaggerated, like... Um, brow line and mold lines in it. Yeah, it's like, you know, you need to show more features of the face of the head because like this, it just looks like a piece of rubber that's sitting on his head. Mm. And it's just like, it's not too flattering and it's kind of like, ooh, this is different compared to the next, you know, series of movies that we get where it's like, oh, okay, you know, the, the costumes improve, the they, cowl's they improved. They finally figured it out. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I mean, like, I, it's a tangent, and it's super petty, but it's part of, like, <laughs> the design of the movie, and it's always bugged me. And what about the Batmobile? I prefer Batmobiles being, like, practical. Like, like, like more cars. Like, like, cars, cars. So, but this, it's cool. I think it's neat. But, I mean, like, it doesn't, I don't look at that and I think, oh, it's the Batmobile. Like, this is the last Batmobile I would ever want to drive around in. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's cool, the, the concept that it's, you know, part tank. Mm. And it's like, you know, okay, cool, you know, he could blow up walls to get himself out of places, run over stuff. Awesome, but it's like, when I think of the Batmobile, I think of a, a car, a mobile. Yes. Mm. An yeah. automobile. Mm. Yeah, and I guess that gets into, like design of the movie like how the movie looks yeah and a lot of the props and things and we we went into that pretty extensively the gotham looks good yeah the city looks good yeah it's like the, some of the gadgets and the costumes don't look all that good mm -hmm. and in you know there's some parts of the movie where oh wayne manor oh it's it's this cool old archaic manor that we see three rooms of Mm -hmm. And the Batcave. Batcave's fucking cool. Yeah, I love the Batcave. Because it's like, oh, it's like a real cave, and it's, oh, it's mysterious, and it's all, all neat and spooky. And, you know, but, I don't know. I think, I really, I really think this movie just has, like, two or three things that are like, man, that's, that's kind of awkward. Mm -hmm. And the rest of the movie is, like, pretty good. And then there's, like, two or three things that are, like, amazing. Yeah. Right? Like, where are you, where are you sitting on this movie in terms of, like... Like um a like a number scale like a range scale, I'm probably sitting at a seven. Like a seven? Yeah, that's that's a good place to be. It's like it's an above average movie with a couple of real standout qualities into mm -hmm. it. Yeah, yeah, because I mean it's still <sighs> once you see the trilogy, it's kind of like yeah, I I could easily put that maybe in a tie for third place with. Uh, Dark Knight Rises. Oh, I think this is better than Dark Knight Rises. I don't know. It's just, I love this trilogy. So it's hard to kind of, you know... Take it on its own. Yeah, you know, because it would have to be like, you know, Dark Knight's first and then tied for second is... This. This and Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, I mean, I... I don't know. I look at the movie and it's... Yeah, it's it's one of those movies where I I liked it. I really liked it watching it. But now, since we've thought about it a little bit, you know, talked about it a little bit, I, I know it doesn't sound like we talked about it a little bit, but I don't know. It's like, I just really don't like Christian Bale's face in the bat in the bat's uh, cowl. It just annoys me. But let's get back to the actual movie. Yeah. So wh where do you want to go now? Since we went on that tangent about me bitching about a, a, a costume. I mean, we went on from talking about a cowl to the bat suit, the, the Batmobile. Bat Batmobile. Um, let's talk about the Batcave. No, we talked about the Batcave. It was cool gothic. That That's all we said was, you know, oh, it's, it's cool. cool. Okay. Because okay, I mean, the Batcave. Because we have the Batcave and the Batman, which is basically his garage. Yeah. So, you know, we're really in the beginnings of creating a Batcave. And in this iteration of the story, no, he's got a legit cave underneath his house. Oh, I think it's way better than the Batman. And it was just like. He's got a waterfall. There's real bats. Yeah. I'm like, this is awesome. It has atmosphere. It has atmosphere. It has character. He ties it into uh, the Civil War with his family. So it it has history to it. Mm. And it's like, I think that's one of the cooler elements of this movie. Especially when um, he takes Rachel to the Batcave. Once mm -hmm. she's um, been uh, injected with uh, scarecrows, whatever you call it. Yeah. And he kind of does the Michael Keaton um, fluttering is it, is up. Is it weird when he flies? Well, when he did that, I was just like, oh, that looks familiar. And I was just like, he I just, don't remember that. He throws his arms up and it looks like he just levitates He's across like, the floor. And I was just like, what is going on? And I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. I kind of liked it. <laughs> I, I look at him like, that looks goofy as hell. Boo's like, that's awesome. I mean, it was. It was kind of awesome. And the fact that the Batcave has bats in it. Yeah, yeah. Which we lose throughout the trilogy. Yeah. I mean, I do like in this, they make a note where, oh, why is, why bats? And he's like, because bats scare me. They really tie into bats being an integral part as to, like, Batman's mythology. Like, mm -hmm. here, here's the thing. 
Do you know why in the original comics Batman decided to become Batman? No. In the original Golden Age comics? So he's sitting in his in his study in Wayne Manor mm-hmm. and he's like, Oh, what shall I call myself to fight these uh dirty and cowardly lots, you know, and us criminals? And a bat flies through his window and he's like, That's it. I shall become a bat. That that's it. That's he, he, yes, he a bat flies into his window in a study and he's like you know what? That's a good idea. If an owl came in, he would owl have been man. owl man. If a if a rat snuck in, he'd been rat man. Like, but or if this... no, or if nothing flew in, Bruce man. Bruce man, exactly. He could have just been Bruce man bat. But I really like in this movie they go into an effort to tie in bats being so integral into his character and why he has this guilt. As to his parents dying because, oh, he's afraid of the bats in the play. And that's why they left early, mm-hmm. which led to them being killed. And Which it- I like that they incorporated that into the play. Because I know in original iterations, it was them seeing a screening of Zorro. Yeah, I believe that's like the original story. So it's like, I like that once we were watching the play and you're seeing the bats kind of come down from the ceiling. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. You know, we have him falling into the well, being afraid of the bats, and then this happens. And just that survivor's guilt mm. of... I'm the reason why my parents are dead and I'm not dead with them because this guy spared my life. And now I'm living my life regretting those moments that led up to that horrific day. But I like that in this movie, they really took um, took note to kind of really incorporate bats because we see them multiple times in the movie. Mm-hmm. And even the score of this movie by uh, Hans Zimmer all the track titles are different uh, species of bats. Oh yeah, I heard something about that. That's like that's like some extra detail. Yeah, in, this, in the movie where I'm like, I kudos on you, brother, but like, I would not have caught that on the on just looking at the track list. Yeah, because I mean, I read it and I was like, really, is that true? And I looked up the score and I'm like, oh yeah. I'm like, I wouldn't have put two and two together. I would have been like, what is this? I mean, you probably would have known because you're, like, obsessed with bats. I, I like bats. I think bats are actually, like, cool animals. Like, it, it, I don't know. But I don't I don't know fucking bat species. <laughs> are you kidding me? I don't know. You know a lot of things. <gasps> but um, I think my favorite sequence in this movie has to be at Arkham when he's trying to get Rachel and Gordon out of the building so he can escape and take Rachel and he uses the bat sonar. Yeah. And that's... just that sequence of him just flying down the staircase and the bats are just camouflaging him as he goes down yeah that's that's one of the really that's one of the better action sequences of the movie to be honest because it feels the most um like batman yeah i i like the sequence where he's getting all like the thugs and he's like and he that's when he um gets falcone Mm -hmm. where he's just appearing like out of nowhere and like yanking these guys up into oblivion and you just know okay Batman has now killed somebody. Not not really, but you know, like, okay, Batman has ruined that man's day. And you have the one guy where he's by himself and he's like, where are you? Here. Oh. And it's just like, yes, get yes, him. Yes, exactly. I mean, even the speed that he pulls these guys is hilarious because they're it's, there. It's like a yo-yo. It's like, no, it's like Spider-Man. It's just, whoop, you know, they're gone. <laughs> like, that's the thing. Like, there's some parts of this movie where you're watching and you're like, is this, this isn't supposed to be funny, right? Like right. like when he's getting pulled by the train? Yeah, yeah. Again, another thing I'd like to point out where watching this movie, lean over and be like, hey, boom, Batman fucking dead. There, there's some parts. In, and he's like, no, I'm movies. good. I'm all right. I'm good. I'm good. I got this. I got this uh, uh, bulletproof vest. It's fine. Uh, the Kevlar really protected me from that hundred foot fall. Oh, totally. Totally. Oh, okay. <laughs> there, there are some parts, even though he's. Everyone's like, this is the realistic Batman. Yeah, right. Totally, dude. But, um, alright. So where, where, where are we going? Where are we going? I, I don't I know. Keep, I, I keep getting lost. So do I, but I think we're just talking about our favorite things, what we enjoyed about this movie. I mean, we agree we enjoyed the movie, right? Yeah. Good, good movie? Really good movie. Better yeah. than I remembered. Exactly. I think if you haven't seen it in a long time, you should give it a watch. Yeah. But I want to talk a little bit about, because we do this on the podcast now, the impact of this movie. Because, you know, it, it's impacted us. You know, you're a huge Batman fan. Yeah. I go back and I'm like, yeah, no, this is this is like the movie that really showed, oh yeah, Christian Bale, he could be an A-list leading man, like an unironic A-list leading man. But the real impact of this movie I have here 
in my notes. See, Dean can make noise with his notes, but, you know, God forbid I take a drink out of my drink and, oh no, boo, you can't do that. You can't drink until we're done recording. So while you're reading, I'm going to be drinking. Sure, totally. So. <laughs> ah, refreshing. Indeed. All right. So Batman Begins has been cited as one of the most influential films of the 2000s. On the film's 10th anniversary, Forbes published an article describing its huge influence. Okay. You know, the and I quote, Reboots became part of our modern vocabulary and superhero origin stories became increasingly in vogue for the genre. The phrase dark and gritty likewise joined the cinematic lexicon, influencing our perceptions of different approaches to storytelling, not only in the comic book film genre, but in all sorts of other genres as well. Where... I think they're right because if, oh yeah if you remember like films right before this they were a little bit more um like in that early 2000s that turn where we had like spider-man which mm -hmm. you know had had moments where it could be a little bit more serious was really like light had a lot of like bright colors it was a little bit more fun mm -hmm. uh we had like the early harry potter movies yeah. which were a kid's franchise and be real here but they were a lot you know oh they're like nice wholesome you know they got they're, they're movies for the whole family I mean, I got, I got something for you, boo. All right. Okay. This is the box office for the year it came out in two thousand five. All right. So, do do you want to try and guess what the number? I won't have you go through the whole top ten. Just what's the number one film of that year, two thousand five? Okay. Well, list off the names because I mean, I'll, I'll, I I'll list I... off. I'll list off. You know, uh, I'll I'll just list them off. Fine. Okay. Thank so you. we have Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire is the number one film of that year. Ooh, that was my first time seeing Robert Pattinson. Uh, good here. Yeah, I guess. Star Wars 3, Revenge of the Sith. Ooh, another good movie. Eh, okay. I yeah, have the yeah. high ground. Yeah, okay. It has it has some good moments in it. I think the movie... You were my brother, Anakin. I loved you. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. Star Wars. Star Wars 3, Revenge of the Sith. The, the good one. Uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Okay. War of the Worlds, King Kong, Madagascar, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and then Batman Begins. Okay. And... Listing those movies, jeez, it's a whole different different world of box office, right? Yeah, it's they're they're all like okay, Harry Potter. I'm gonna take a stab in the dark. The Harry Potter being the number one. Yeah, that's what I said in the beginning. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. <laughs> oh, I thought you were just listing them random. You wanted me to guess what was the oh, number one. You blew the game, I, Dean. I did blew the blew the game. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> But, okay. But but like, he came at the very bottom? He, yeah, number nine was Batman Begins. It made $371 million against a $150 million budget. Double its money and made almost, like, uh, another hundred extra. Okay. But, like, all these movies, looking at it in terms, like, what Impact is saying, this is the outlier, right? This yeah. is the one that's actually kind of dark, kind of gritty, and mm -hmm. it's a little bit more serious. Yeah, because, I mean, up there with, you know, kind of gritty, serious would be War of the Worlds. And even then, that's more of, like, like a Roland Emmerich disaster movie. Just, yeah. It's just directed by Steven Spielberg. Yeah. I'm like, even Harry disaster Potter... Disaster action movie. Disaster action movie. Mm -hmm. Like, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, that's... Oh, it's one of the darker Harry Potter movies, but it's still a wizard fantasy film. That's yeah, directed at teenagers. I'm trying to think. Uh, Goblet of Fire's... The fifth movie or the fourth I think, movie? I think it's the fourth. It's right after. Yeah, it's the fourth. It's after Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, I can see why that would be number one. I mean, Harry Potter is just a powerhouse. One day. In, one day. In itself, you know, because I can't even say movies, you know, books, plays. There's just so much about it. But it's interesting to see Batman come in at number nine, considering where we are now and how superhero culture is now with. These movies are massive when they come out. I mean, mm -hmm. that was like breaking news the other day for the new Doctor Strange movie coming out. Mm -hmm. That they sold out on tickets, I think maybe in the first 24 hours. They're like, oh, you know, it beat out the Batman, you know, because it sold out. But it's like the Batman's still making tons and tons of money. It's the biggest movie of 2022 so far. Yeah. So it's a shift to see how, like... A Harry Potter kind of fam family, you know, fantastical movie would have been number one then. Yeah. And now superhero movies are taking over and they're the number ones. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, look at Spider-Man Far, Far From Home. That thing was just it was like a what, powerhouse up until the Batman. It's like the fifth highest grossing film of all time. Yeah. But 
but that's the thing. Like, I just wanted to give people context context because this movie really was kind of like the first superhero film that could be a little bit darker and grittier and mm-hmm. more realistically based. Yeah. And the year it came out, like, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, mm-hmm. which, granted, stars Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. And it's like, oh, it's a spy, like, comedy action film or whatever. If that movie came out today, it would it it would not even make half its fucking money back. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's so weird just to kind of see the span of movies that came out in 2005 and how different they are. I mean, it's like any year yeah. where you get, you know, your uh, melange of movies. That's right, I used a $10 word today. Ooh, my uh, Lord, I didn't know we had that in the budget. <sighs> We did just for this episode. Next next week, now we're gonna have to really dial it back. You know, I'm I'm gonna have to eat ramen noodles leading up to it. Only using if ands and thes. Damn right. But yeah, it's just kind of interesting the the different uh, span of movies in 2005, and this was lower the list and just kind of the switch it's made now, where now superhero movies are at the top of the list up there with you know. Academy Award winning movies. Yeah. I mean, famously, the sequel to this movie, Heath Ledger won an Oscar for Best yeah. Supporting Actor. And I, I guess that's the, the thing. Would you call, what would you describe the impact Batman Begins has on, I guess, film, culture, cinema? Is it true it's like this movie helped lead in, you know, dark and gritty oh, or absolutely. superhero, that stuff? Yeah, because I mean, first Iron Man movie, it's not, you know, the happy-go-lucky superhero movie it's like no it's the origin stories of you know tony stark and iron man and i mean even the original iron man costume Mm -hmm. so it's like it's still crazy to think that this was like the powerhouse before mcu before the explosion of mcu and the rest of the dc universe it's also crazy to think because i i mean i haven't seen iron man in a long time but I remember Iron Man being a lot more grounded than the recent Marvel yeah. movies. And it it does feel like this movie kind of laid the groundwork of all right everybody, Spider-Man was like lightning in a bottle. Mm-hmm. It was a it was a it was a thing that happened. It had a a tourist director at the helm of it. It also hit at the perfect like zeitgeist moment for these movies to be a a cultural touchstone. But that was Spider-Man. And that was like, okay, we can't repeat that playbook. No. Batman Begins kind of laid out a playbook that you could take and use. Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of superhero films post this took the playbook was, okay, we can tell this origin story. Mm-hmm. We we can really kind of take our time. We can make it work. Yeah. You know, because a lot of them turn into origin stories. Mm-hmm. The first Batman film, the Michael Keaton one, the Tim Burton film, Mm -hmm. it wasn't an origin story. It was just a Batman movie. Which was awesome. It was awesome. And then we're going to be talking about it next week. We are, and I'm so hyped. Yes. Do we want to call that the segue into the closing, or do you got anything else? We we can keep going. We can keep going. We have a lot to say. No, I think overall, good film. Yeah, really good film. A lot, lot better than I remembered. Um, Definitely, I'm going to be, when I do my Batman binges, I will be watching Begins through Rise, because usually it's just Dark Knight and Rise. I Um, can't believe you you keep going back to to Dark Knight Rises. That's the the weird one for me. I like Tom Hardy. I I guess so. And then we get, you know, the Catwoman elements into the story. I mean... In this one, we do kind of get a small love story with Rachel, but it's more, they have the kiss and there's that twist of, you know, this is really your mask, you, Bruce. You're really the Batman. And, you know, maybe... One day you won't need him anymore mm-hmm. and then we can be together. Yeah, it's like, you know, I need the real Bruce. I don't need Batman. And it's just Catwoman where she kind of like, I can respect that you're both people. Yeah, and... God, also, I forgot Katie Holmes was in this. Yeah, that kind of caught me off guard, too. I was like, who the fuck is this? Is and I was like, Rachel? I was like, that's not Rachel. And then I was like, oh, no, it is Rachel. <laughs> it is Rachel. But yeah. But I mean, I think she has one of my favorite scenes in this movie. Mm-hmm. When she's protecting the little boy once the, the when gas. When she's protecting Joffrey Baratheon. Yes. When she's pre- protecting King Joffrey. Yes, which is which so Which caught weird. me off guard. I was just like. 
That little boy looks familiar. And I was like, what? Yes. It is, it is so weird going back to this movie because, oh yeah, Katie Holmes was like a, was like a leading lady back then. Oh yeah. I'm trying to remember if, I was trying to remember if this was before she married Tom Cruise. No, I think this was like right, this was after him jumping on the couch going, I'm in love with Katie Holmes, Mm, that one. It was after that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So one of my favorite scenes with her in the movie I mean, because it's funny, but at the same time, it's also cool. You know, the gas is dispersed and she's protecting King Joffrey. Yes. And, you know, he hasn't had the shot. So he's seeing things and she's trying to protect him. And that's when we get Scarecrow on the horse. But then she taser faces him. And <sighs> boom. Scarecrow's out of the you picture again. Want, you just wanted to say taser face. I did. You know, we see it in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. 2, yes. Yeah. Taser face. Taser face. Really? That's what you call yourself? Well, tasers are scary. And I was like, like, really? Yes. So then I, I forgot the that se- it happened. The segue. Yeah, so I'm like, taser face. That's awesome. But also the headless horseman. Because, I mean, it's cool that we get to see in this movie what they're seeing when they're on this, like, nerve gas or whatever it is. Yeah. So, I mean, creepy Batman, like, on the gas, like, that's actually pretty scary so it's like i like that they were able to add in some fear to it because it's just like oh this is creepy with the fantasy yeah but but yeah so batman begins um i think the impact of the movie is undeniable i really enjoyed it i think if you haven't seen it in a while give it a watch it is not as bad as you remember if you don't remember liking it that much or if you haven't seen it or if you haven't seen it it's a really good watch it is give it a go I recommend it. Do you recommend it? I would absolutely recommend it. There's nothing wrong with the movie, actually. Mm-hmm. I think it holds up really well. I'm just still kind of in awe that this was the movie that was really kind of the launching pad before the rest of all the movies. I, it's I, a I mean, pre-MCU superhero film that I think laid the groundwork for for the MCU to lead up into. Yeah. Because, like, Spider-Man is like the super proto one, yeah. right? Where it's like, all right, no, we can make really, we can make superhero movies and they are profitable and not only profitable, mega box office, and they can also be true enough to the comic books. We don't have to make like Steel starring Shaq or we don't have to make the Fantastic Four movies, you know, like we can actually like make good movies with superheroes. And I mean, the Spider-Man trilogy, that's untouchable. I think th- I think the first two are untouchable. Like I think the third one have the third one has real issues with it, but it's not Sam Raimi's fault because I know there's a lot of like producer bullshit in that. But movie. we get goth Peter Parker Look, and we, the dance. We also get ugly looking Venom. All right, that's with Topher with Grace. Topher Grace. Yeah, Eric. you want. Yeah, yeah, you want. You want to calm down with that with that bullshit real quick. I'm still I, going with goth because you know we yeah yeah we get emo we get emo Peter Parker and him doing the dumbest dance on the planet. Hey, kids are still doing that dance till this day. Yes, and it's not because they like the movie; it's because they think it's dumb. But whatever, whatever. Next week, next week, what are we talking about? We're talking about Batman '89 or Batman. Yes, Batman. Starring Batman. Batman starring Michael Keaton, uh, Jack Nicholson. It is directed by Tim Burton. Oh my god, this movie was made for me. It has all of my favorite things. Yes, it is the movie that I would say some basically wrote the blank check that Tim Burton would live on for the rest of his career. Yes. And I can't wait because I have not seen this movie since I was like 10. Ah. I'm probably going to say, yeah, maybe I was in my early teens. Really? It is. It's like you with Back to the Future. You don't watch it that often. It's one of those ones where it is perfect in your memory. And, and it, you know, if you go back to it, there might be something there that that will change it for it's you. It's like, I want to remember it the way that I did back then. But absolutely, I will watch it for this podcast and critique it and still love it. If I still have my original Batman 89 Batmobile that my dad bought me. It's shown up on the Insta. Maybe. It's in my garage. I got to dig it out. <laughs> but I still have it. Oh, I'm so hyped to talk about this movie. Me too. Me too. I, would, I really want to talk about it because in terms of like impact, mm-hmm. this has reach. This has real reach. <laughs> Oh, it's going to be so hard when we have to do our our ranking our, our the, ranking game at the end of the month. But boo, 
Where can they find us? Well, if you want to listen to us on a different platform than you currently are, you can find us on Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Yeah, you can go to our YouTube channel, The Film Vault. That's right, The Film Vault. Go check us out there. Uh, watch a bunch of our podcasts and yeah. And if you want to follow us on social media, you can find us at The Film Club Podcast. Uh, we post our adventures. We post trivia about the movies that we're talking about. And we also post, like, random stuff. Like, today, Dean made me a special Batarang. The same one that's featured in Batman Begins. Yes, So yes, I'll be I posting did. a picture about that, too. And with that, Boo, any last words? We'll see you next week at the film club. Have a good week, everybody.